Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. <laughs> I'm in the best mood right now. I don't know why I'm... Actually, I do know why. I can absolutely explain, but I'm just in one of those happy, giddy, weird moods where I'm quite literally dancing around the house singing the happy working song which if you're not familiar, is from the Disney movie Enchanted. Very underrated movie, arguably one of the best of our generation. Actually, I think I'm going to have to rewatch that movie to stand strong behind that statement. Either way, great happy working song. But I just got back from a workout. This is about nine o'clock in the morning that I am recording this. I only get up extraordinarily disgustingly early on days when I don't already have a workout class scheduled because it kind of freaks me out to go to a workout class that early in the morning. I know it sounds weird and almost that it doesn't make much sense because what's the difference of going to a gym versus going to a workout class, but I don't know. I just get spooked by random things. So anyways, I just got back from my workout class and it was one of the best I've had in a very, very long time. So if you're not familiar, I go to a workout studio usually two or three times a week. It just kind of depends on my schedule or really how much allotment I have left for the month or maybe how much I want to pay, etc. But the classes are really neat because every time you go, it's something different and you really don't know what you're going to expect until you walk into the door, which I kind of love because if I have an idea of a workout in my mind, let's say I'm following an online program or something and I know that every Monday is leg day, then I just get like this big, huge pit in my stomach and I make myself hate Mondays because leg days are hard. So therefore, I start to just hate Mondays. I hate the leg workout. And I kind of build up this huge thing in my mind that the workout's not going to be good or I just build up the idea that I'm going to hate the workout either way, which is just such a negative perception of how I should be approaching workout programs to begin with. But I think it all just stems back to the idea that when a workout is hard, you don't enjoy it as much because maybe you're struggling through it. Or at least that's how I view it because I want to feel good when I'm working out. I want to feel like I'm dominating this. Like I'm pushing myself. I feel strong. I feel good. But when you're flopping around and you feel like you're uncoordinated or you're just having an off day, the whole mood is thrown, you know? So I walk into class today and I had no idea what I was going to expect. And it turned out to be a 28-minute running clock the entire time with three different segments that we kind of ran through in groups. The first segment had the all-time, the favorite, the best move, the Turkish getup. And I actually had like a little woohoo kind of moment when I heard that announcement because now that I've kind of like re-sparked my energy for this one move, it's literally all I want to do. And all I want to do is continually perfect my form on it. 
as I mentioned in the last episode that I talked about the Turkish getup, if you haven't already seen my kind of horrible demonstration, I did post it on the Twisty Pod Instagram. Horribly embarrassed. Let's just say that first and foremost. I filmed that footage because I was trying to include it in a YouTube video. Long story short, I ended up having to cut this whole segment from the video. I might post it. Who knows? But I had this one little moment of my footage where I was doing a Turkish getup and then I was getting a lot of DMs from you all like, Taylor, what in the heck was that explanation of a Turkish getup? Literally nobody knew what you meant. Please post a demo. So I'm like, oh God, well, I don't want to go to the gym just to pick up a dumbbell and like try and mock this move at like two o'clock in the morning. I'll just post this horrible footage I have where my bum is sweaty and I have a nasty bandaid on my leg that you can't see, but it's poking through the leggings. I'm coming up with excuses. Anyways, the demo's horrible, but it's posted on Instagram. If you're still wondering what this Turkish getup move is, it's very, very intensive and fun and technical and dynamic. And that's why I love it so much because you have to put so much thought into every second of the movement. It's a lot. You can do a half Turkish getup if that's too many moves or if you just want to get maybe a higher weight down or you want to do no weight. My biggest recommendation if you've never tried it before, is to use a shoe, as weird as it sounds, because if you do it in your bedroom and you're just holding a shoe instead of a kettlebell or a dumbbell, it will still give you that imitation of the balance that you probably need to have and the strength that you need to have to keep your arm pinned to the ceiling. But anyways, DM me if you have any questions about the Turkish getup so I don't have to geek out about it anymore. But I always choose, you know, the same kettlebell as always because it's what you feel comfortable in maybe it challenges me a little bit but I kind of know in the back of my mind I could try something heavier and at my gym it sort of feels like a big increase between kettlebells because sometimes gyms have a five pound kettlebell and then they have a 10 pound kettlebell but it felt like at my gym it was like five pounds or 15 pounds so it's kind of a big increase especially if I don't have incredibly strong shoulders or upper arm strength to even just hold the dumbbell or the kettlebell over my head. So I just get nervous. But I just kind of figured, you know what, this is one of those days where there's not that many moves programmed into the workout. Really what they wanted you to be focusing on was just that, increasing your weight, focusing on your technique, taking things slow and just maybe perfecting your form or trying things that you'd never tried before. So that's what kind of motivated me to just go for it. So I picked up a big, huge, very intimidating, scary kettlebell, at least in my eyes. And it was okay. Like I did it. I'm here to report that I survived and it was all right, you know, and sure my form maybe wasn't stellar or I'm sure I could get better at it. And what's neat about how it was programmed today was that you were only doing one Turkish getup per side. So once on your left, once on your right, which makes it even more approachable, I think, because if you see 10 Turkish getups, you're not going to want to pick up the heaviest weight. But when you have lower reps, that makes you a lot more confident and also feels a little bit more safe to pick up the heavier dumbbell or kettlebell to begin with. But I did it. I was so proud of myself. I still am so proud of myself. And now I know that I can challenge my body in that way. I can be better at my Turkish getups. And hopefully, you know, from now on, either I can do more repetitions with that same kettlebell weight, or I can maybe, I don't know, try to increase it again in the future. Ah, It's just, 
it's cool to reflect on. I don't often PR because I just sometimes want to focus more on endurance to build my strength rather than constantly increasing my weight, I guess. And I'm also not in the gym squatting or deadlifting as much as I used to. So I don't really keep track of PRs as much as I had been at one point in my journey. So it's just kind of cool to reflect on a little nerdy, dorky moment that I wanted to share with you all. But then it gets even better, right? So the next segment of the workout had jump roping programmed in. And this is pretty normal. You know, maybe you'll be doing Turkish get-ups or something, and then you'll do 25 single jump ropes, which basically just means jump roping like normal. But they always put on the menu singles or double unders. And never in my life have I been able to do double unders. Even when I was in elementary school, all right, and the kids would be doing double dutch, I I couldn't ever, like never, never, ever, ever. I think it's because I just have a very bad vertical. I'm just not very vertically good. I don't know, but I just have never been a jump roping pro. I even did a workout challenge on my YouTube channel, jump roping every single day for a week, a month, however the heck long that was. And yes, I did see some major improvements and that was really cool because jump roping is just one of those things that you underestimate because you did it as a kid and you sort of used to think of it as a fun activity. But as you get older, you're like, wait a darn minute, I can get a really good workout in from jump roping. So I always just try and do really quick singles. You know, I'll try and improve my form in that respect because that's hard enough for me. I mean, I'm already out of breath. I'm trying to move to the beat of the music or something. And I'm just, I'm trying to go quick with my singles. And that's all I can really accomplish. But I don't know if it was the pre-workout, if it was the sips of coffee from my French press I had this morning, but I just got this sudden urge to try the double under. And I preface this by saying, I don't know if they were good. I don't know if I was doing them correctly, but I did two turns. I did two turns and that counts enough for me. And I did it a few freaking times. And I don't know why I feel so dorky about sharing being able to accomplish a double under because I'm assuming so many people are able to do that. But just for Taylor, I couldn't. I couldn't for the longest time or maybe I just wasn't trying. And that's another huge theme of the moment here because how many years have I been jump roping? Geez Louise, probably since I was like four years old. And all I've ever done is try to do better singles. Why have I never pushed myself a little bit further every single time to be better at double unders? I mean, the opportunity was sitting right in front of me and all I had to do was flip my wrist a little bit faster, you know? The funny thing is, is that I whipped myself left and right. I slapped my forearm. I slapped my thigh. I slapped my butt. Like I was getting injured left and right, just trying these double unders. But now that I've already kind of broken down that barrier of, wait, wow, I could possibly do this and maybe I could possibly perfect my form. It gives me more motivation next time I'm in the gym to actually kick some butt, get better at my double unders and to push myself a little bit harder. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. 
I think I am definitely guilty of sticking in my comfort zone, particularly in the gym. And not even with just increasing weights, but really just sometimes doing the same movements over and over again because I underestimate myself. I think, why in the heck would I be able to do a double under? Even if I'm in a group fitness class and I see some amazing woman next to me kicking butt, taking names, and she's doing some badass double unders, she's picking up the heaviest kettlebell in the room, I think to myself, gosh, that's so cool, but I could never do that. Well, why in the heck not? Why do we constantly tell ourselves that we aren't capable of doing something without even giving it a fair shot to begin with? Now, of course, you know, you need to consider injuries and being safe and just overall gym safety to begin with. But I think I often just let my own doubts about my abilities stop me from even trying something that I'm probably able to at least try, if not perfect, and then maybe do better down the line. And look at me. I mean, look at today. I was nervous to do both of those things, pick up that heavier kettlebell. I did it. I'm here to report that I did it. And the double under. And now next time I go to the gym, I'm going to feel so, so, so much more confident. I actually had a similar experience a week or two when I was at my own gym when I was doing box jumps. Now, box jumps have always intimidated the living poop out of me. In college, our gym at my university had metal boxes and they weren't even boxes. They were really just like kind of stools. They they weren't filled at the bottom. They were just kind of stands with a flat surface at the top. And that scared me actually way more because I was always nervous. I was going to bump my knee or knowing me, I'd fall down, like get a concussion, crack a tooth. Oh God, sorry. Big tooth fear over here. But that was what would go through my mind and it would make me too nervous to even try progressing on those box jumps because the metal was so scary. But at my new local gym, they have the typical squishy box jumps, which is just music to my nervous ears. I've always kind of been a nervous energy kind of kid. Like if I go down the ski slope, I will focus more on like trying to do left and right turns so I don't go that fast because I get really nervous if I'm out of control, if I'm speeding too quickly, or if I'm on a bike and I'm going down a really big hill, I'm sledding down a really big hill. I feel very nervous if I don't have the ability to brake or if I'm just not able to slow down. I can't go quickly. So the same thought happens with box jumps where I just get so nervous that I'm going to face plant, I think. Like it's just that same nervous energy coming out. So I'm trying to do box jumps and I think they were divvied up between like 21 inches, maybe 24 inches and 30 inches, some big, huge jumps. And basically the different ways that you would turn the box increased its height. So, you know, if you started at 21 inches, you could turn it a different way and then it would all of a sudden be 30 inches. But I love box jumps as an exercise because they feel very empowering and I always feel that they give you the biggest bang for your buck. Like I have the most effective workouts when I incorporate box jumps. It's probably just because it's such a dynamic move and it's cardio heavy and you're also just like jumping on a box and that's scary. (laughs) So of course, knowing me, I start off doing these box jumps at 21 inches because that feels comfortable and I'm also... 5'2", 5'3", and looking at a 30-inch box, which is up to my hips, sounds a little bit intimidating for me. Like, I was never a track athlete. I don't know how I could get that high. 
I would never played basketball, like volleyball. No, just none of the above. But all of my self-doubts are just sitting there staring me in the face. And I'm way too fearful to just give it a go until I literally sit there and say, Taylor, what in the heck are you doing? Challenge yourself, push yourself. And I get so comfortable at what I'm good at that sometimes I forget that you need to give yourself that extra nudge, even if it's just you internally pushing yourself. If there's no coach around, if there's no gym buddy around to tell you, hey, you should try that. I believe in you. I know you can do it. You got to believe in yourself first too. Look at me. I'm such a motivational coach over here. But your daily reminder to just sometimes flip the box. And you know what? I did it. I flipped the stinking box. And I think if I remember right, it was a little wobbly, you know, because this thing's like foam. I mean, I didn't feel secure in the slightest. Not to mention it felt like there was a crowd around me because people were behind me on the ellipticals to my left and right on the bikes and the treadmills and whatnot. And, you know, you don't think anybody's looking at you, but you also think somebody's looking at you. Maybe you want to impress them. Either way, I get nervous. I don't want to look like a dork. I don't want to fall on my face in front of the entire gym. But we've all been there. You know, we all want to try things to push ourselves, to motivate ourselves. And with anything in life, if you stay in the same spot for all of eternity, how in the stinking heck are you going to grow? So for me, it's no secret that... January and February are the hardest months of the year. And I do genuinely think that it has a lot to do with the wintertime if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. But something I learned recently, at least in my eyes, explains everything a lot more. And if you're really not into star signs, birth charts, etc., I'd probably skip like the next two minutes. And I'm totally pulling a California girl move right now. But hear me out. I'm going to be blaming Mercury in retrograde. Now, have you heard that term before? And if so, do you know what it means? Because I certainly never did. Please excuse my horrid explanation, as I'm sure most people will be like, Taylor, that's so wrong. But from my understanding, the first retrograde of the year was from January 20th to February 21st. Now you look at your calendar, you look back at your planner, you look back at your photos, your TikToks that you were liking, your Instagram stories, and you tell me that that was not a hard time for 2021. Like I was ready to just screw the year already and accept that 2020 and 2021 were going to have the same energy specifically because of that like four week period. I'm nearly positive this retrograde happens like three or four times a year, but I believe it's essentially when Mercury goes around the sun at a faster speed than Earth does, which as an effect to all of us on Earth, the Earthlings, it makes it seem like we are moving backward from where we are, which of course you could probably see how that would allow us to be in a little bit of a funk per se, because basically At this time, all areas of life that are associated with Mercury go backwards. It's absurd. Now, I have to give a very huge shout out to a friend that I was messaging. Her username is just Mellow, and she basically offered to give me my entire birth chart. So she essentially told me how all of this affects me, affects my life, my big three. It was just so kind of her to do, and I sincerely appreciate it. So if you're somehow listening to this, I absolutely love you and I appreciate you. 
And that was something I've always wanted. I've always wanted to know more about my entire birth chart. And she gave me the whole stinking thing. It was so stinking cool. But she also provided a little bit of tips for kind of how to get through that retrograde phase. And essentially, she said that the only thing you really can do is try to relax more because quite literally this time brings a lot of frustration and inconvenient times and places. But if you keep your cool and you actually listen to your heart and not your temporary impulsive mind, you can get through those bad four weeks. And I wish I could remind myself of that when those retrogrades are happening because I just let myself get so bothered by little things at times because I'm emotional. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm still a rising Pisces at the end of the day, you know, but now that we are out of the retrograde and we're just sort of, I suppose, back to the normal speed of Mercury <laughs> circling around the sun, I'm just feeling a lot more joyous, a lot more hopeful. The sun is out earlier. The sun is out longer. I'm just feeling a little bit more inspired to have a better outlook towards the rest of 2021 because I'm not going to lie to you. For a few weeks there, I was really just losing hope on myself. I also think it's like a very important reminder to myself, I verbalize out loud, as well as to all of you, that it's all right if you're feeling really funky in these times, retrograde or not. Like if you, even if you don't or you do believe in any of that, we've still been in very abnormal circumstances for almost an entire stinking year. Almost an entire year we've been in quarantine. We've been living indoors. We haven't seen our loved ones. We haven't been able to socialize. We haven't been able to carry our daily activities out as we normally used to. Maybe your whole life's on a complete 180. Like it makes sense that maybe at this point you're beyond frustrated with online school. You're beyond frustrated with working from home or you maybe you've hit a plateau in your workout routine. It makes a lot of sense. And I just want you to give yourself more credit because these are weird times. And I think so often, at least for myself, I'll see things on social media. I'll see people that are just still constantly being so creative and so thriving. And it makes me feel intimidated that I'm maybe having a really hard time. But I honestly am somebody who thrives off of social connection. I need to be around other people. I need to be doing fun things. I need to be out of an apartment. I get very, very stuffy. Like I love to be out in nature. That's why I consistently am trying to go on daily walks because otherwise I'm not sure I would be okay. I really don't. That's just one thing that I try and do nearly every single day for my mental health because I genuinely think it keeps me more positive and able to carry on in these uncertain times. And if that works for you, then that's a great activity. Maybe you need a workout to help with anxiety. Maybe you need a certain food or a certain skincare routine or something or a podcast like this beautiful one to listen to. But I'm just finally feeling so much better now that we've kind of finished with this retrograde and we're on the movement towards, for lack of a better term, moving forward, you know, and circling the drain here. This feels like a really big time for me, at least specifically to be very well self-motivated. And I don't know if it had a lot to do with just wanting to see that like prophecy come to life or something, but that was one of my biggest reasons 
aka just trying to get out of the funk that I was currently in, that I finally just decided to do my certification in personal training. I can't even describe how excited I am to finally share things with you all from a place of knowledge and not just from me hoping or me praying that I'm not going to say something wrong or thinking that I know something is true about fitness when really it's probably very ass backwards. I just feel so proud that I'll finally have good information to share with you. I don't know why it feels kind of dorky, but that just makes me so stinking happy. And I've never had this feeling of wanting so badly to sit down and study Because what, for 22 years or however long, we were forced to do schoolwork or not forced, but you know what I mean. You know, you were supposed to study. You were supposed to do your homework. You had required reading. All of these things were important. And yeah, sometimes, you know, you enjoyed one subject more than another. But at least for me, there was not many subjects that I was so happy to sit down and do. I always liked math. I always kind of liked English or I took Latin for a while and at first it started out okay and then it just got weird and difficult. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. I spent four years taking high school Latin just because I thought it was going to help me in some freaking way. First of all, it's a dead language, Taylor. Why? Just tell me why. Second of all, why? And then third of all, I thought it was going to help me on the SAT because I don't really know why. I think that was just like somehow developed into my brain as a thought. Maybe somebody else told me one time, this is me at like 15 years old, like I'm going to take Latin for four years. I'll take the AP test, blah, blah, blah. I'll be smart Latin genius. Didn't happen, first of all. Second of all, didn't even end up taking the SAT. I took the freaking ACT, like a waste, an absolute waste. I could have taken Spanish. I could have taken French. I probably could have taken Mandarin. Like what, Taylor? Four years, Latin, really? Not important. Anyways, some subjects I liked more than others, but there's never been something that has made me like want to get off of TikTok, want to get off of Instagram, sit down and be like, I can't wait to open up this textbook and learn about the body and the physical muscles. I'm so stinking happy about it, but that's how it should be. I should be so passionate about something that I want to perhaps pursue or just educate myself on. Like that's why people get degrees just maybe for the heck of it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Online motivation or online studying is very, very difficult. I have no proctor. I have no classes to attend. So I have the highest respect for anybody who's ever done this successfully before. I just, it's hard for me. I'm a very physical learner. So I just have so much respect for anybody who was doing online schooling with a class or not with a class. Like just goodness gracious, you're cool. I'm only about two chapters in, which doesn't seem like that much, but every chapter is so stinking dense and I am a note taker to a T. Like anything, basically any sentence that feels important, which to me is like every other one, I'm like, okay, yes, got to write that down. Like quick, I'm such a dork about it. 
but it also is a really good way for me to learn, to reinforce what I'm learning, to kind of repeat it in my brain, but then also repeat it, you know, with my hands, like physically writing down, this is exercise. You know, it feels, it feels good. It feels important. So I take my time going through everything, but every chapter also has lots of different lessons in it. And I just want to make sure that I'm doing these things correctly and I'm not just flipping the pages to flip them, you know, but I've been taking little notes of things that I find so fascinating that I want to be able to just scream from the rooftops because I wish I knew them earlier in my life. And I wish that I wasn't so hard on myself because I didn't know the actual facts and I just let the social media side of fitness, like, you know, the marketed fake news stuff that's reported to us as fact, I let that dictate my life, you know? I wanted to share this one because this one hit home to me and it's basically about your BMI. So your BMI is your body mass index. Basically, it's kind of this I don't want to say made up measurement because it's, well, I guess it was made up, but it's not fake, but it is basically a measurement of your body fat based on your height and your weight. And essentially it's the most practical measurement of overweight and obesity because it's the same for both sexes and for all ages of adults, which even if you just hear that, and I just read that sentence directly from the textbook, that already sounds wrong, at least to me. Like, first of all, why are we comparing both sexes, ones that we've done research enough to know are completely different than one another and for all ages? Like, that's how we're going to determine things? Just doesn't make sense to me, right? Either way, it's a very valid and reliable tool that is a good way to measure large amounts of people. You know, for a huge population, if you want to see numbers of overweight or obesity in that demographic... It's kind of like a quick and reliable way to see those different levels. But, and this is a huge but, something that's always made me very like sad, I guess you could say, or really feel defeated is that for the longest time, and I'm going to say probably at least like 10 years, I've probably been in the overweight category. Because if you look at a BMI chart, there's five different categories. There's underweight, healthy, overweight, obese, and extremely obese. Now, I've never been an underweight kid. I just never have been. I also probably, according to this chart, have never been healthy. So then there's the overweight, obese, and extremely obese. Now, it was so freaking demotivating because I would look at this chart, I would do my math, and somehow I'd always end up in the overweight category. But I'm 5'2", I'm 5'3", whatever the heck. And I've always considered myself to be on the muscular side. So because I have bigger muscles, because I'm extraordinarily short, those measurements don't add up. And I've always been so bothered by that. Like I even have brought it up to my boyfriend's sister before and she's a nurse and I'm like, this feels like it makes no sense. It just felt very demotivating. But in my personal training textbook, it says that a BMI is not a substitute for precise measurements of body fat composition especially when you're looking at people on an individual basis. Because like I said before, BMI is really helpful for looking at a large demographic, but there are better ways to actually measure people on an individual basis, of course. This is the best example that they could have provided that gave me a little bit of clarity. So like I just said, BMI is not a substitute for more precise measurements. For example, 
elite athletes, so we're talking gymnasts, we're talking crossfitters, football players, whatever, with very high levels of lean muscle mass can be mistakenly classified as obese by your BMI alone. Okay, even though they may have very little body fat. For that reason, calculating BMI is just a starting point and other body composition assessments should be considered with clients who are on a weight loss journey. First of all, who the heck cares? Second of all, I should know my body and myself and my composition well enough to understand that I am a healthy individual. I try and be active every day. I try and eat good foods. You know, I feel like I try and do the right things. And I should know my heart health well enough that I'm taking care of my body and I'm trying to do the best things that I can. But when you see things like that, shouldn't I be here, there, whatever? It's so demotivating and so demoralizing. Like all of my life, it feels like I've just been stuck shitting on myself because of what this BMI test says that frankly, I don't agree with in the slightest. I don't know. I just, I needed to hear that example, the comparison between elite athletes and their lean body mass, because you think about Gabby Douglas, Gabby Butler, Simone Biles. Those are some of the fittest people I have ever seen in my life. And I would argue at least, I don't know, Simone Biles, isn't she five feet? 4'11", she's very, very small. You're telling me that that woman would be in the overweight or obese category? Get out of town. Get out of town. Sometimes these measurements that are kind of pushed down our throat or maybe when we go to the doctor's office and they ask us weird questions that make us uncomfortable or you get on that stinky scale with the whole little moving machine thing and it just makes you feel bleh. I don't know. I just love that I'm finally kind of diving into some of these things that I've always had questions about or maybe I've never fully understood or I've just let myself feel down because I've fallen into the trap of this is good or this is bad when really I'm taking care of myself. I'm trying to live a healthy lifestyle and that should be okay and that should be good enough too, you know? Uh, I have a lot of these little interesting tidbits written down and I'm planning to share a little bit more with you as I go along and as my my studies carry on because I'm assuming that if that information stood out so profoundly then perhaps it also could be impactful for somebody else who's maybe had the same experience that I've had. So that's my CPT segment for the day. Let me know if you have any like specific questions that maybe I've learned about or I'm going to learn about that you want some more enlightenment on, I would love to just kind of give you the real talk behind everything because that's the reason I'm doing this, to provide you with more information, to just educate myself, to do better research, and just become a better fit-fluencer. Fit-fluencer. Nope, working on it. Love you all. Thanks so much for listening to The Twisty Pod this week. Let me know if you have any questions. Follow The Twisty Pod Instagram account. Only the most premier content available on the interweb. Love you all. I'll talk to you next week.